Yeah, so businesses are all about people operations process or people operations profit, right? So you got to look at the people first, you know, aces and places. Do you have the right people in the right seat uh, doing the right things? Sure. And are they focused on the things that are going to really move the needle forward? What happens a lot of times, you hear the 80-20 rule where, you know, 20% of your results come from 80% of your efforts. Um, what I like to do is drill that down even more. And mm -hmm. I say, okay, well, let's take that 20% and drill that down into the 100% of what drives that 20%. And then you want all of your people focusing on that 100%. So if you've got somebody who you're paying $100,000, $200,000 a year, and they're doing these other things that, are, that could be outsourced or systemized through technology, mm -hmm. okay, and that's keeping them from focusing on 100% of that 20%, mm -hmm. that's where the systemization comes in. So mm -hmm. systemization comes in in terms of where are your weaknesses, where are your repetitive things that can be automated and outsourced, so that mm -hmm. your best people can focus on the best things that drive the organization forward exponentially. So that's where that all comes in. So the first thing you look at when you go into a company to evaluate the leadership is number one, do you have leadership? Mm -hmm. are, is there a leader and are they leader quality? Okay, that's number one. Number two, um, what, what are the results of that leadership? So the cool thing about a business and the cool thing about real estate, it's all in the numbers, right? The sure. numbers don't hide. So if you know how to read the numbers and you understand what the numbers are telling you, because you can make numbers look however you want to make them look, but you got to know the business, you got to know the industry and you got to know the KPIs. So if you sure. know that mm -hmm. you can look at numbers and know whether they're real or not, you mm -hmm. know what your unit economics are, you know what your cost should be, you know what your revenue should be, you know, you know what, you know, all these little things should be. So if there's something off, something that's skew, somebody knows why. So then you got to drill down into what's going on there. So, you know, evaluating leadership, evaluating teams is pretty basic at that level in terms of what does a good leader look like? You know, are they, are they serving their organization? Are they providing leadership from the front, giving everybody everything they need, tools, training systems, and support to be successful? Mm -hmm. More importantly, clear direction. Are they providing that organization with very clear direction and no uncertain terms exactly what's expected and when, and then holding them accountable to that performance, measuring that behavior and holding it accountable to the goal and then providing real-time, up-to-date feedback and direction in order to correct anything that's not happening. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the types of things that you look at. But really what it boils down to is you should be focusing 100% on the 20% that's going to drive results. Everything else needs to be outsourced and or systemized through technology. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things I'm working on right now is a, you know, manufacturing operation. And when you go in and look at that, the fundamental so any business, you've got your, your clients, right? Who are your ideal clients, okay? So the number one thing you look at is who is your best client? So if you're manufacturing product and you have one or two customers that buy the bulk of your goods, they're very easy to work with. They pay you on time. In fact, they'll pay you early for discounts, you know, things like that. They don't mm -hmm. create problems for you. So the question is, how can I get more of them? Sure. So mm -hmm. the first thing you look at when you're looking at that kind of environment is you go in and you say, okay, if we have one or two or three ideal clients, or if we have something that's resonating in the marketplace, like I've got a marketing company I'm working with, and you know he's kind of been sp spinning his wheels a little bit in terms of growing and scaling his business. So what we've done there is the same kind of thing. We've kind of refined it and said, look, you don't need to be everything to everybody. You need to be the one thing to this market, you know, very niche, de you know, defined, you know, target market that can be anywhere in the country or the world, but it's a certain niche that you're after Mm -hmm. So that you can be seen as the expert for that industry to get the message out for them and help them grow and scale their business and focus on 
What is the solution you're pro providing to that company? Same thing in manufacturing. What is it that you're doing that you're providing to that individual, to that company that's so valuable? Mm -hmm. Why are they coming to you for 80% of their business when they could be going elsewhere? Sure. So mm -hmm. really, that's what you want to look at. When you're looking at a business, if you're a product-driven business, who are your ideal clients? Who's buying the most of what you have to offer? And how can you get more of them? You know, mm -hmm. um, plumbing. So I had a plumbing company one time and, you know, we looked at the sales of that company and you could be a service-based business where you're doing, you know, hundred dollar tickets, or you could have one or two clients where you're doing a hundred thousand dollars worth of business. So if our goal was to be a $10 million business, well, which way is going to be the easier, fastest way sure. to get there? Right. So really what's amazing is in any business, doesn't matter whether it's manufacturing, a service-based industry like plumbing, or if it's a marketing company, you're going to have an ideal client who represents or group of who represent probably the bulk of your income mm -hmm. that are easy to work with and want more of what you have. So how do you get more of them? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really what that boils down to. So, you know, number one, reduce any unnecessary overhead expenses, operating costs, things like that. So you want to be lean, nimble and operate as lean as you possibly can. Um, you know, at the same time, take advantage of any, uh, you know, expansion opportunities that you have. So I'm not saying contracting your expansion of your market like we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Once you understand what business you're really in, who your clients really are, go after that and expand exponentially. So if you think of an accordion theory, okay, sure. what you want to do is you want to expand up top. You want to expand your revenues while your expenses contract sure. exponentially quicker. Okay. The other way is when the economy is contracting, you want to, you know, as your income is reducing, you want to exponentially reduce your expenses you know, mm -hmm. much faster than your income. So think about that accordion, depending on what the market's doing. But right now it's time to be lean, efficient. Don't take on any extra overhead that you don't need to. That's not going to produce the 100% of the 20% and um, build your cash. So cash is king. The dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Even with what the Fed is doing, it's hard to believe and hard to understand and what the treasury is doing. They're really controlling the capital markets. That's sure. really what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's who you're competing with if, you, if you're in that world. Um, you want to build the dollar and, and reserve, you know, get some cash reserves built up because you're going to be able to take advantage of opportunities and you're going to be able to sustain and weather any kind of a you know, long-term long outlook of a downturn. Now, with what we've seen with the Fed and the Treasury, where we're at in the economy, assuming we get past the virus, we get a vaccine and it's all behind us, which I don't even know when that is and, and what that looks like, but let's assume we do end of mm -hmm. this year, going into next year, we're, we're going to be 18 to 24 months before you, any, you see any real significant economic recovery. Because like you said, there are a lot of businesses that have closed. There are a lot more that are going to close. They're not going to be able to just reopen. Um, you know, so there's going to be some contraction and some damage there, but that's only, I'm going to say only, I mean, that's only 20, 25% of the, of the economy. Right. The other 80 percent, 75 percent is still firing. It's mm -hmm. still doing well right now. We're still producing probably 75 percent of GDP versus where we were before. Now, that's only because of what the Fed and Treasury have done. If sure. they haven't done what they did, who knows where we'd be right now. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think we're going to be fine. We're going to do fine. The question is, what's the result and the impact of what the Fed and the Treasury have done? Uh, what is that going to look like and how many companies are really going to be out of business over the long term moving forward? How long does it take to get everybody back to work? Mm -hmm. You know, probably 25, 30 percent of the workforce is out of work right now. 
Um, how are we going to be able to get all them back to work and get back to that, you know, single digit unemployment? 